Hey, hockey fans. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of like, <laughs> you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. You get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he should have checked over here. <laughs> and then <laughs> I looked down at my favorite Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. Well, we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is that it's free to play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Welcome to New York. Attention fans, this is the Devil's State of Mind podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Now here's your host, Neil Villapiano! Woo! What is going on? 
on, Devils fans. It is once again your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast right here exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place, as always, to get the most up-to-date news, topics, discussions, and so much more about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day, a great day, whatever you want to describe it as, whenever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time to check this episode out and all the episodes. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And I hope you guys had the opportunity to check out our previous episode in which we interviewed former New Jersey Devils goaltender, Eddie Lack. And again, Thank you so much to Eddie for coming on the Devil State of Mind podcast and talk with us. We really, really do appreciate it. Please go check out that episode because it is one you do not want to miss. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot of, lot of things to discuss. The first thing we're going to talk about here today is we are going to be pretty much giving you a couple of prospects that the Devils could potentially take with the number four overall pick in this year's NHL entry draft. And then the second part, we will be continuing on as I took a little bit of a break, but we will be continuing on with our free agent targets. This time we are going to be going to the right D side. So there's going to be a lot. And trust me, folks, there's a lot of really interesting players on that right defense. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get some interesting names, no doubt. But as always, we have a ton to talk about. So enough chit chat. Let's not waste any more time and drop the puck. So we'll start with, like I mentioned before, we're going to talk about potential draft prospects that the Devils could take with their first round pick. Uh, I mentioned this in the last episode, and I'm sure you guys know by now. Uh, at the draft lottery, the Devils finished getting the number four overall pick, which I think was pretty much what we all expected. I think a lot of us were hoping that maybe we'd get the number one overall pick, not myself included. Uh, some people were hoping that maybe we'd just move up. Uh, so a lot of us were definitely hoping that we didn't drop. Uh, so we got pretty much what we, I think, expected and are pretty much fine with, and that is staying at number four. We had the third best odds going into it with Seattle and Seattle actually ended up being the only team other than uh, the Anaheim ducks to move in this draft as both teams kind of switched from three to two. So, it, so Buffalo got the first overall pick, then it's Seattle, then Anaheim. And then there's us. And look, there are a handful of guys that I'm going to be mentioning that are really, really going to be intriguing picks. And I would say a good handful of them are probably going to end up being at the number four overall pick. So the Devils are going to have to make really, really tough decisions as to who they end up taking. Now, I'm not going to discuss who the Devils will potentially take with the Islanders pick because you don't know if the Devils may trade that pick. We don't even know where that pick is going to be because the Islanders are still in the playoffs and we have to figure out, you know, how much longer they're going to be in it if they go all the way and win the cup. You know, it's going to be, we have to wait and see basically. So we'll talk about that at a later date. And again, this, I'm going to probably give my mock draft when we're a little bit closer. We're about a month or so, a month and change away from the NHL draft. So we still have a lot of time. And I know that Tom Fitzgerald said after the draft lottery is talking to Amanda Stein that they've already begun talking to prospects. So they've gotten off to a very good start with getting things done and trying to get as much information on these guys. And again, this is a very interesting draft because there just isn't a whole lot to go off of. Some of these guys 
only played a couple of games. Some of these guys didn't play at all this past year due to the pandemic. So really, I think more than most other years, you're going to probably go off of who has the highest ceiling. And I don't know if the Devils are going to necessarily go best player available unless somebody like an Owen Power somehow falls to four, which if he doesn't get picked number one, he's certainly going to go number two. Uh, that's probably the only guy um, that's not on this list, basically. Uh, the rest of the guys, honestly, it's it really does feel like a crapshoot. And and it's not guaranteed that Owen Power is going number one overall either. I mean, there's there's so many guys that could go number one, number two, number three, number four, that really, honestly and truly, there's no guarantee that any of these guys we're going to end up, you know, are going to be the guy that the Devils pick. It might be somebody I'm not talking about right now. So I just found a list of about six prospects that when I look at some of the mock drafts, even though it's still early, these are guys that I think potentially would be there at number four. Um, some of them more likely than others. So let's let's go. And, and again, this is in no particular order of preference for myself. Uh, I'm just going to go through it. And then probably what I'm going to do at the end of this discussion is I'm going to give you my top three guys that I would prefer to see the Devils take um, in this draft with the with the fourth overall pick. So let's start with our first guy, and that is Dylan Gunther, an 18-year-old left and right winger. So he plays both sides of the wing, six foot one, 181 pounds, and currently plays for the Edmonton Oil Kings of the Western Hockey League, one of the junior hockey leagues up in Canada. This past year, he finished with 12 goals, 12 assists for 24 points in just 12 games in 2020-21 for Edmonton. So that was a very, very impressive uh, short period there for, for Gunther. He also finished with four goals, three assists for seven points. It's seven games played for Team Canada at the under-18 World Junior Championships. And the biggest thing that, that a lot of you know scouts have said about Gunther is that he is a lethal goal scorer. This guy has a nose for the puck. He wants to find the back of the net as much as possible. And obviously, the Devils, that's something that we are starting to get more of, but we certainly need to continue to improve it. And again, I know that Devils fans really want defense. A lot of us particularly want one defenseman that we'll, we'll certainly talk about later on. But I think if by some chance he's there, because I think there's a good possibility he goes two or three, I think considering the type of potential that he has, it'd be hard for the Devils not to want to take him because we do need help on the wings. We do need help on the wings. And yeah, we do have some guys in our system that very well could be the help that we need, but it doesn't hurt to really stack up those uh, on those wings because it's very hard to find really legit, consistent scoring wingers in the league. But you can also find them in free agency, in trades and other things like that. But Dylan Gunther, I think, would be a really solid pick. I think, honestly and truly, he's the most unlikely selection for the Devils for, for different reasons. I mean, one, like I just said, I doubt that he'll be there at four, but you never know. And also, there are a little bit, there's some other needs that I think the Devils would probably look for. And there's obviously going to be some influence with, with this pick, considering some of the players that we have already in the organization. And we'll talk in more detail about that. But Dylan Gunther is the first guy uh, that could potentially be the Devils' uh, pick at number four. The next guy, another guy that could very well be a long shot. I mean, you know, I just talked about Gunther. He could go two and this guy could go three or the other way around. That is Matthew Beniers, an 18 year old centerman, six foot one, 174 pounds, currently playing for the University of Michigan, the place, the college hockey, in case you didn't know that. Um, Matthew Beniers, if you go back a year ago, I think Beniers was looking like he was definitely going to be the number one overall pick. 
Now, I'm not saying he disappointed because he really didn't disappoint this year. I think when you look at what Owen Power has done this past season, I think it, it was more of Powers just really elevated his draft stock. And Beniers, obviously, you know, he, he did very well, but Powers just has a little bit more upside. But then again, you're talking about players who play two very different positions. So again, that's something to keep in mind. But this past year at Michigan, Beniers finished with 10 goals, 14 assists for 24 points this past year. And in the United States under 20 world junior championships, he had one goal, two assists, three points in seven games played. And then also he's been playing in the world championships with team USA currently going on. They're actually, the United States is playing in the gold medal game later on today, or it already happened um, at the time of this recording. And he's had one goal, one assist for two points in six games played. So he's, he's had a pretty active 2020-21 year playing for three different teams, two internationally, which is good. And some people, especially elite prospects, has Veneers ranked as the number one prospect in the draft. So again, I, I said it before, Power just had such a great year that it's not that Veneers just didn't have a good year. It, it, it's, it, it very well could be Veneers could go number one. I mean, Buffalo could look at it and say, yeah, Powers is great, but Veneers is too enticing with his goal-scoring ability to, to not be able to do it. Veneers is pretty much a point-per-game point per player. I mean, that, that's the way I look at it when I look at his production and look what he can do. And look, we haven't had that many guys in the past couple of years come out of college and really light it up. I mean, the last guy I can really think of is Jack Eichel. I mean, he, he was phenomenal coming out of college. I'm not saying Veneers can't be phenomenal. He certainly can be. Um, it's just a little bit more interesting when you look at, you know, a guy coming out of college, but that doesn't mean that Veneers can't be the man. And so again, another guy that could really, really be a good player. The issue is simply this. He is a centerman and he's projected to be at least a top six centerman. And we already have our two top six centermen in Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. So it would be hard for the devils to pass him up if he was there at four. But again, they would look at it and say, well, we also have Dawson Mercer. So what are we going to do, put Beniers in the, on the fourth line? I mean, what, what are we doing here? Now, I will throw this out, that there's always the possibility that Devils could draft somebody and then trade them. There could be a trade in the works while the draft is going on or later on, and the Devils could trade it, and that could be that. But as far as would the Devils take him, I, I doubt it. And again, I think most likely Seattle or Anaheim will take him. Uh, they certainly need more centermen than we do, particularly Seattle, for obvious reasons of being an expansion team. Um, but he's another guy that's a very fascinating pick. Uh, certainly would help us in the goal scoring aspect, would be a solid playmaker as well. But again, I just don't see the Devils taking another center with a pick that high, knowing that you have other needs. But Matthew Veneers is the second guy on my list. Now, this is this guy. I'm going to tell you this right now. He is the most fascinating player here on my list. Um, and that's Simon Edvinson, 18 years old. He's a left defenseman. He shoots left. Ladies and gentlemen, he's six foot five, 207 pounds. That my friend is a developed player. That is a guy that can come into the NHL and be able to, to produce. Um, we already have a big, tall left shooting defenseman in Kevin Ball, who's about an inch or two taller than Edvinson and certainly heavier, but it doesn't hurt to get more of those big body defensemen. Now, here's the thing that's interesting about Edmondson. He's played in several leagues just this year. He played in the SHL and also in the other 20. He currently plays for Frolunda HC. 
Um, so that's something. And he plays in Nacional. I believe that's how they pronounce it over there. In 2020-21, he scored one goal, got five assists for six points in 14 games played. He also had a goal, three assists, four points in seven games played this past year for the under-18 World Junior Championships representing Sweden. He's more of an offensive defenseman, very similar to Kevin Ball. He's solid physically, um, but certainly can you know, improve on that. Considering his big body frame, you, you would like to hope that he would be more physical. And I think that that's something the Devils have just been lacking, physicality. We have a lot of talent, but not enough guys that can be physical. And I think that's something that we really need to improve on. The thing about Edmondson, there's two things, actually. Number one is this. We have a good amount of talent on that left side. So I don't really know why the Devils would want to go for a left shooting defenseman um, unless that they would somehow force him to go to the right side, which I don't know why they would. But when you have to remember, the Devils drafted Shakir Mohamedouline this in 2020. So when you think about that, again, when Mohamedouline was drafted, this is the thing. He was considered a long-term project, a guy that's going to take a couple of years to get to the NHL. I think Edvidson even though I do think he has the potential to come over to the NHL right away, he would most likely be a guy that would probably need another two or three years before he comes over. And who knows where the Devils will be at that time. And who knows if, you know, Edmondson will be part of something else that the Devils decide to do, you know, trade or, or whatnot. Um, but I love, you know, tall, you know, physical defensemen. And again, Edmondson is not fully physical but he is solid physically and that means that he can at least be physical when asked to but if he can continue to develop that is certainly playing in a league with men I think that goes a long way um and and that's the that's the big thing and again there are some other defensemen in this draft that have higher potential than Edmondson but I think knowing how Tom Fitzgerald sometimes you know evaluates players he may look for a guy like Edmondson and say yeah it's going to take him a while to get here but if we develop him correctly, the type of production that he can give us is phenomenal. And being that big could go a long way. And again, we don't know what the defense core is going to look like in the next two or three years. Edmondson, for all we know, could be our top left shooting defenseman. I'm just pointing this out. I know we, yes, we have Ty Smith. I know that. But you never know. Hockey is unpredictable. Hockey is magical. You just don't know what's going to happen. So let's just keep that in mind when you talk about this. I don't want you guys to just tune me out and say that I'm full of malarkey. I want you guys to understand that all of these guys have potential one way or another to be very, very, very productive in the National Hockey League. So let's keep that in mind. To me, though, Simon Edmondson is the most intriguing prospect. He's the guy that if you want a long-term project that could really reap the benefits if you develop him correctly – this is the guy that I think you need to take. I really do. I think that he has the potential to be really, really good in the National Hockey League if, if developed correctly. So Simon Edmondson is that. So we're now about halfway through our list here. And the next three guys are the guys that I think most likely would be the guys the Devils would end up taking in this draft. And we'll start with William Eklund. Now, this is a guy that definitely is on the Devils' radar. I don't care what anyone says. He is certainly on the devil's radar he's 18 years of age he plays center but also plays on the left wing so that goes a long way he's five foot ten so it's much more on the shorter side 172 pounds and currently plays for your garden in the shl you know who also played for your garden alexander holtz the devil's pick first round pick from last year the first of the first round picks that the devils have um so right there the devils have the best scout 
that one could have, and that is a former teammate, former player uh, for Zhirgarn in Holtz. And look, Holtz is obviously trying to make the NHL this, this upcoming year, and, and I think that there's a good chance he will. And I would not be surprised if some of the scouts, Fitzgerald, went to Holtz and asked him, what can you tell us about William Eklund? And I'm sure they would say he would say a lot of good things. This past year, he had 11 goals, 12 assists for 23 points in this, this year. And you have to remember, he's 18 years of age playing in a men's league. For him to put up that type of production at 18 shows you the potential that this guy has to be a dynamic player in the NHL. He's a dynamic winger from a lot what are scouts saying, tremendous skater, good shooter, really good setup guy. This is a guy that in many ways you could say offensively has the whole package. Um, so if you're looking for the best, I guess you would say offensive player or, you know, winger or centerman, whatever you want to say, um, it's William Eklund. And I know, yeah, he's 5'10", but who cares? You know, Nathan Gerby is what, 5'7", and he was pretty productive in the NHL. So really, height doesn't matter at all, does it? No, I didn't think so. Anyway, William Eklund to me is a guy that I love personally because of his speed. He's a really great skater, but he's so good at controlling that speed and being able to really do damage. And we do need some more speed. I mean, we're a fast team in general. He would just help us. And again, doing the production that he did while playing overseas against men is phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. And would he be a guy that the Devils would try to bring over right away? Honestly and truly, no. I don't think any of the guys here that I mentioned, maybe other than if you want to take a chance on romance, Simon Edmondson, would the Devils bring over right away? I really don't. And if they do, they're going to end up either back with the team, whatever team they're playing for, or they're going to start playing for Utica. That's the way you got to look at it. So let's keep that in mind. But there's an advantage for the Devils right there. They have a guy who has played with Eklund before. They've been on the same team. And they know how well developed your garden has become when it comes to developing prospects. So I think that's something to keep in mind. So Willie Mecklin is number four on my list. And now we come to the guy that every single person and their mother wants the Devils to draft. And that is defenseman Luke Hughes, 17 years of age, the youngest player in this draft. He's a left shooting defenseman, six foot two. He's the tallest of the three Hughes brothers. 176 pounds. He has been playing for the U.S. National Development Team and the USHL. He is committed to the University of Michigan. So he's going to be joining some of his uh, other draft uh, teammates this next year when they go back to Ann Arbor. Um, and obviously, yes, he is the youngest. He's the youngest of the three Hughes brothers, the younger brother of current New Jersey Devils centerman Jack Hughes. Now, Prior to the NHL draft lottery, Jack Hughes made it public that if Luke Hughes is there at number four, the Devils should take him. And that puts them in kind of a tough situation because, look, Jack Hughes is going into the final year of his entry-level deal. Obviously, he hasn't gotten up to the, to the start that he would want uh, points-wise, but he is getting better and better. He's a dynamic player, and he's going to help us. The Devils, I'm sure, are going to want to try to lock him up sooner rather than later. Maybe do what they did with Nico, where last year of his contract, maybe middle of the season, they just signed him to that extension. That's kind of what I'm hoping for, honestly. Um, and I don't know how upset Jack Hughes would be if Luke Hughes was not taken by the Devils, if they took someone else. Um, it's hard because you don't want to piss off one of your top players, um, but who knows? Also, Jack Hughes could have just been screwing around or just hyping up his brother, which is also a good thing. 
one person I talked to said, yeah, it would be great to draft Luke Hughes, but I think it would be better for him if he just played for someone else. If he was just on his own team. I mean, later down the road, it would be cool if he came to New Jersey. And yeah, it would be cool for him to be here in general. Um, but I think when you look at uh, his situation and his, you know, for him to grow up and really grow and develop as a person and as a man and everything, it might be better for him to go to a team where he doesn't have a connection and he can kind of go from there. And, and I do agree with that. I have nothing against Luke Hughes. I think that he has the potential to be very, very good. Um, I just don't want the Devils to draft him based off of Jack Hughes telling them to. I mean, unless he puts a gun to their head, Jack Hughes has no control over this. He can make a suggestion, and I'm sure, just like with uh, Alexander Holtz talking about Eklund, they are going to go, the Devils are going to go to Jack Hughes and ask him to evaluate his younger brother. And that's something to keep in mind. That's another advantage the Devils have. Uh, from what a lot of people are saying, he's the best skating defenseman in the draft, great stick handler, great offensive defenseman, but he needs a lot of work on defense. Uh, sometimes he's well out of position. Um, he needs to get better at that. He needs to build up his uh, muscle a little bit. 176 pounds is a little bit. Eh. Do I think that Luke Hughes is a guy that would be coming to the NHL right away? Honestly, I could see more of a Kale McCarr type of situation where give him another year in college and then he's playing in the NHL next season. Uh, not this upcoming year, the year after, 2022-23. Um, I'm not against the Devils drafting Luke Hughes at all. If they draft him, great. Um, if if there's this next guy that I'm going to mention, if he's there as well, the Devils take Luke Hughes over this guy, I would have somewhat of an issue with that, but I would still not be upset because also Luke Hughes is a defenseman, and boy, do we need help on defense. The thing is, is though, the Devils already have a handful of offensive defensemen. We do not have defensive defensemen. And I know we could go out and we could trade for somebody. We could go out and we could sign somebody in free agency. But when you have the opportunity to draft some defensive defensemen, a guy that's a little bit more polished defensively, I would prefer to do that. But there's nothing saying the Devils can't draft Luke Hughes and then develop him into a defensive defenseman. He can't. He could certainly go to Michigan and become a very good defensive defenseman. But I don't want Luke Hughes to come here and be in a P.K. Subban situation where he's basically all offense and his defense is really, really lacking. And then also is on the coaching staff as well. They need to improve that. So all in all, I really like Luke Hughes. I really, really do. I think the Devils, if he's really the best player on the board at that point, I would take him hands down, defenseman, work from there. Uh, really quick, uh, he had six goals, 28 assists for 34 points in 38 games played this past year for the U.S. National Under-18 team. And he also had four goals, 11 assists for 15 points in 18 games played in this past year for the U.S. National Development Team junior team. So he's been relatively busy. I know he had an injury that kept him out the rest of the season. Uh, from what I've heard, it's nothing incredibly severe. I mean, most likely he'll he'll be ready to play at Michigan next year again. Do, do the Devils do what they did with Ty Smith, where they bring him into training camp right away? I think that that's what they would most likely do to give him a taste of it. Um, I don't know if they're going to do a development camp. I hope they do, because um, I kind of miss that. Uh, and that, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. So we'll see. But bottom line is this. If Luke Hughes is there and he's the best player on the board, take him. If there's the guy, next guy I'm going to mention, he's if he's there and Luke Hughes is there, makes the situation a lot tougher. So... That's another guy, Luke Hughes, fifth. And now we'll go to my final potential prospect, 
and that is Brant Clark. 18 years old, right shooting defenseman, six foot two, 190 pounds, and he currently plays for HC Nove Zamki in Slovakia. And I believe that's the top or the second to top league in Slovakia. It's a men's league. It's a men's league. He plays with plays with men. Oh, and I forgot to mention, and I mentioned it again. I mean, I've mentioned it numerous times. He is the younger brother of current New Jersey Devils forward Graham Clark. Again, a third player in this draft that the Devils have an advantage over other teams because they have his brother there that they can use to scout this guy. And again, you know damn well that the Devils are going to ask Graham about Brant Clark. Brant Clark, here's the thing. He is going to most likely be possibly the second defenseman taken in this draft behind Owen Powers. He is going to be that. The question is, does Seattle go defense or do they go offense? Same thing with Anaheim because they both need it on both sides. That's the thing. The Devils, on the other hand, are more leaning towards defense than necessarily offense, but it doesn't hurt to add more offense. It doesn't. But the Devils, if they want to become a great team again, they have to build that defense because Blackwood cannot play 50 games and try to bail them out every time. We need work on that defense. Everybody in the NHL knows the Devils need to work on their defense. This is nothing new to us. Brent Clark what is interesting, what is great about him is that he plays in a league with men. So he's already getting used to playing with the physicality of that. Luke Hughes, he's kind of had his way playing against guys his age or even younger. And he's going to have more success that way once he gets to college. It's going to be once he gets to be playing professional hockey is, is what it is. But Brent Clark, to me, is the more polished defenseman. He's a guy that's a little bit closer to being NHL ready. I'm not saying he is, but he very well could be. And again, he's somebody that I would really, really would like to see the Devils if he's there. Honestly, at four, I, I think you would have to take him. Five goals, 10 assists for 15 points in 26 games played this past year. So that's pretty good production for a defenseman. Two goals, five assists, seven points in seven games played for Canada, for Team Canada, at the Under-18 World Junior Championships. His skating is good and so is his passing. He plays in one of the top men's leagues in the world. This league in Slovakia is probably like the fifth or sixth best league in the world, which, you know, is not great, but it's still, you know, a top five or top ten league. So that's a good thing. He's very sound defensively. He's very, very, very well-rounded. And he's very polished, like I said. So if you're looking for a guy that's a little bit more NHL ready and trying to help us go from there, then you do this. And Fitzgerald may be in that frame of mind to say, look, we have to get to a point where our defense is at least half decent for us to compete. We can't just continue to hold on for the next two or three years while we keep drafting defensemen with so much potential, but it's going to take them a couple of years to get here. We may very well take Brand Clark. And again, I will reiterate this. Most likely, the Devils are going to take the player with the highest potential because of the fact that there's very little uh, game film and things like that to really go off of. So that's something to keep in mind when you look at this situation. You have to look at it and say they do need to take the best player available. And it very well, like I said, could be Luke Hughes. But I'm telling you this right now. If it's between Brant Clark and Luke Hughes, in my opinion, I think Brant Clark is the better option. So that's the way I look at it. And those are the six guys that are potential uh, picks for the Devils to take at number four. And really quickly, you guys, I'm sure are curious to know, who are the top three guys that I would like to see the Devils 
take at number four. Here we go. All three of them are defensemen. So all the wingers I mentioned, sorry, not going to happen. Um, the only guy, only winger, if you want to put top four, if you want to do top four instead of top three, William Eklund is at number four. I think he's the best offensive player that's probably going to be there at number four that I would take um, right there. But at number three, it's Simon Edvinson. That's the way I look at it. Because again, he's very much like Shakir Mukamadulin, where he has really good potential. And if you develop him correctly, could be a major force in the NHL. He's just not going to be in the NHL right away. He's going to have to continue to develop. He's not even playing for, for Lunda's top team. He's playing for their under 20 team. So he obviously needs to continue to work that way. Um, but if he does come over to the, to the United States, I mean, you could play him in Utica and have him learn how to play professional hockey that way. There's nothing wrong with that. And again, you could certainly bring him over for a development camp. We're doing that, which again, really hope we do because uh, we didn't get a chance to see that last year, but yeah, Simon Edmondson, Six foot five, over 200 pounds. That's very, very intriguing to me. And he has a lot of potential. Um, he has probably the most potential of any defenseman that's not NHL ready. And again, I think Owen Powers and probably Brian Clark are the only two guys that I think are NHL ready from a defensive standpoint, in my opinion. But none of these guys could be in the NHL next year. Who knows? But Simon Edmondson is number three. Number two, Luke Hughes. And it goes off of everything I said. He needs to work on his defensive game. He really does. His offense is phenomenal. And we could certainly use more offense on the defensive side. But we desperately need work on the defensive side. We are lacking like crazy. We had the worst penalty kill in the NHL. And we, let, we, we hung Blackwood out to dry so much this past year. And that's going to be our demise and why we're not going to be able to be an eventual cup contender. Because our defense is lacking. That is how, ladies and gentlemen, the Devils won cups. Solid defense and goaltending and timely goal scoring. We have a lot of goal scoring. We do. And we're going to get more. But I'm telling you this right now. With looking at these defensemen, you have to look at them and say, who's the guy that's going to help us defensively the most? Who's going to be the guy that's really, really going to value us? So, Jack Hughes, man, I love you. I really do. And I would love for Luke Hughes to be here. If he works on his defensive game, that's great. I just don't want to be in a position where two or three years down the road and he's still not, he's still not doing well defensively. It's going to be a problem because it's going to, it's going to slow us down when it comes to it. But again, things could change. We could have mostly defensive defensemen and he's one of our only offensive defensemen and he's awesome. Right. So let's keep that in mind. I mean, granted, to be honest with you, when you look at Quinn Hughes, he's mostly an offensive defenseman and his defense has been lacking in some in some capacity, and especially this past year. So that's something to keep in mind. That's an example of what could very well happen. But development is such an important thing that the Devils have to look at it and say, can we develop that? Is that something where his defensive game is not too far away that we could develop it? Maybe. Maybe it's not. But we'll see. But Luke Hughes is number two on my list. And number one, the guy that I think definitely the Devils should take a with this pick if he's there, because, again, he very well could be taken at two or three, is Brant Clark, because again, he's the most polished defenseman other than Owen Powers. He is going to be probably the second defenseman taken behind Owen Powers. This guy is playing in a league with men. He's already learning how to be a professional. He is the same height as Luke Hughes. He's uh, he's a lot heavier, well, a lot bigger, excuse me, than than Luke Hughes, and he's he's a little he's much better defensively. 
Um, his offense can obviously improve, but that's easier to me. That's easier than trying to develop a defense game from ground zero. Um, so, I, I, yeah, this certainly does sound like I'm really crapping on Luke Hughes and, and it sounds like I don't think he's a good player. I think Luke Hughes is a phenomenal player. I just want to see his defensive game get better. So if the devil's drafting him and then next season, he's like the best defensive defenseman in the NCAA, that's great. We're getting better. He's getting better. That's what we want to see. Um, so that's what that, that, that's pretty much it. So yeah, the three guys that I mentioned, or again, let's go four guys. Cause I mentioned it before, William Eklin, Simon Edmondson, Luke Hughes, and Brent Clark. So those are the potential six players that the Devils could take in number four. And also those are the three, four players that I think in order that I think the Devils should take with the number four overall pick. Now we move to the second part of our discussion here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. We are going to be continuing with our potential free agent targets. We took a break from obviously the past episode with talking about the draft lottery and also our great interview with Eddie Lack. And again, please go check out that last episode. It's a phenomenal interview. And again, thank you, to Eddie Lack for coming on. Uh, we're going to be continuing on, like I said, and today we're going to be talking about the right side of the defense. We already did the left. Now we're going to go to the right. And there are four guys and all of them are, well, I would say two of them are more in the range of kind of in the prime of their career. The other two, I would say are more of a veteran side of it, but all of them are really, really good. And some of them are going to cost a good amount of money. The others, maybe not so much, and that could be something the Devils could look at when it comes to getting help on the defense right away for next season. Let's start with probably the guy that most Devils fans want to see the team go after in free agency, and that is right defenseman Dougie Hamilton. 27, going to be 28 by the time next season starts. Six foot six, 229 pounds, currently playing for the Carolina Hurricanes. He had 10 goals. 32 assists for 42 points in 55 games played this past year, um, this past regular season. Uh, so far in these playoffs, he's currently playing in the playoffs right now. He has two goals, three assists for five points in 10 games played. In his career, he has 106 goals, 235 assists for 341 points in just over 600 games, 670 to be to be exact, in his career in the National Hockey League, and he has eight goals, 17 assists, 25 points for for in 53 games played, excuse me, in his career in the postseason. This is the thing about Dougie Hamilton. He would be our number one defenseman right away. And here's another thing. I know some people like Damon Severson. I mean, I have a soft spot for him considering I did something, uh, I did a devil's, uh, I did a devil's game thing uh, one time where I got invited to do something and I had to play goalie against David Severson and I made a couple of a uh, couple of nice saves. So I, I give myself a pat on the back there. Um, but I think when you're looking for somebody that could potentially be a better Damon Severson, it's Dougie Hamilton. And it might make it easier for the devils to maybe use Severson as a trade piece to move him somewhere else and, and get a, get a winger that could certainly help us a goal scoring winger and, and things like that. And here's the thing, Dougie Hamilton is going to cost us a considerable amount of money close to nine, maybe even $10 million. He could very well be uh, potentially the highest paid defenseman in the NHL uh, by the by the start of next season, depending on what the market is for him. And the Devils are one of the few teams in the NHL that really could give him what he's looking for. 
The question is this, is that exactly what he's looking for? Is he looking more particularly to stay with Carolina, considering that they're a team that is clearly on the rise, that is making some noise in the playoffs or in the second round against Tampa? And who knows if they if they'll be able to get out of that round against a very, very tough defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning team. And it's going to be really it's going to be really tough. It's going to be really, really tough for the Hurricanes to be able to keep him. Uh, but maybe he'll take a discount. Who knows? But I think if he makes it to free agency, the Devils should certainly really shoot their shot with him because he's a guy that could help us offensively and certainly be an accountable player on defense. He's very, very good. His plus minus is plus by a lot. He was plus 20 this year. He's plus 72 in his career. This is a guy that is going to be the catalyst on your power play, going to be the catalyst on your penalty kill, and he's going to be a leader. He's going to be one of the leaders on this team. He's going to be a guy that a lot of these younger players are going to be looking to and saying, we need your help. We need your support and things like that. And again, the Devils could certainly make him a very, very high paid defenseman. Certainly could give him $10 million if he wanted to with the fact that the Devils have well over $30 million in cap this year. So if you want to talk about getting a big, you know, really spending a lot of money on, on one player, it would be Dougie Hamilton. He probably would be the only guy in the free agent market that I would give a crap load of money to uh, right away because I know the type of player he can be. And he will live up to that. He's that good. He's in the prime of his career. He's a guy that could help us really improve our defense by a bunch just next season, which would go a long way for the rest of our young defensive core that we have that's still trying to develop and even a potential another defenseman that we could draft in this next year's draft. So that would be the guy that I would give a lot of money to and would be my number one priority when it comes to getting a really solid, you know, whole-rounded defenseman for both offense and defense. So Doug Hamilton is the first guy on my list. The next guy is probably going to be on the more cheap side, but he's still a very, very solid player, and that's Tyson Berry. 29 years of age, he's 5'11", 197 pounds. He currently plays for the Edmonton Oilers, or he, he was playing for the Oilers. Um, and this past season, he had eight goals, 40 assists for 48 points. We had a lot of assists, but that could very well be possibly because of him playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And when you see that, it's it's no wonder why sometimes people's stats kind of, you know, go up. I would I think from an assist standpoint, this was the most that Tyson Berry had in his career in one season. So that was pretty impressive. 48 points in 56 games played um, in the four games that Edmonton played since they got swept. He had no goals and added one assist in his career. He has 88 goals, 306 assists for 394 points. So he's six points away from 400 and he's played in 610 games. He has a plus minus of minus 62. So that's kind of a scary thing. And in his career in the playoffs, uh, he has one goal, 14 assists for 15 points in 30 games played. He's played most of his time, I think, with Edmonton and also played for Toronto and Colorado. That's where Tyson Berry was really intriguing when he was in Colorado. That was the thing that a lot of people remember about him. Tyson Berry would be more on the veteran side. Um, he would be a guy that I think roughly you'd have to pay four or five if you're pushing it $6 million. Um, that would be something to keep in mind. But if the Devils wanted to go cheaper or maybe they have to go cheaper because maybe they lucked out on they did not, they were unfortunate, did not get Dougie Hamilton. Um, I think Tyson Berry would be a solid one. He would be coming in and he would be a guy that I would expect to, to chip in five to, if you're really pushing your luck, 10 goals, a solid 25, 30 assists, a guy that could really help us out. Um, as far as the defensive side, though, 
be a little bit harder because again, he's, he's more of an offensive guy. He's kind of struggled in the defensive zone um, at a position, a bunch. So the devils may not be so keen on him because of that. Uh, but again, he might be a guy that the devils value much higher and feel like that he could really be a help for us. So that's something to keep in mind. So Tyson Berry is number two on my list. Number three, and every Devils fan will have such a laugh, and that is former New Jersey Devils defenseman and current Edmonton Oiler, Adam Larson. Yes. Do we bring the band back together? Do we bring Larson back to New Jersey after trading him several years ago in the famous one-for-one -one to acquire Taylor Hall? Adam Larson is pretty much right now in the prime history. Six foot three, 208 pounds. He's 28 years of age. He will be 29 a, about a month into the 2021-22 season. His birthday is November 12th. Um, this past year, he had just four goals, six assists for 10 points in 56 games played. So not great offensively. But the reason for that is because he is by far a tremendous defenseman. He was honestly the best defensive defenseman Edmonton has had in the last several years. When the Devils traded Larson to Edmonton, the big reason that the Oilers wanted Adam Larson was because that they were lacking defensive defensemen. And Adam Larson, with that big shot, being physical, being really good defensively, that's what you're seeing. He has 25 goals, 112 points for 137, excuse me, 112 assists for 137 points in 603 games played in his career with a plus minus a plus 18. He has Three goals, six assists for nine points in 24 games played in his career in the playoffs. And in the four games that Edmonton played in the playoffs this year, he had no goals but had two assists. If you're looking for somebody that is probably going to cost you roughly six, seven million dollars per year, who can be a reliable, physical, defensive defenseman who can chip in offensively every now and then, it's Adam Larson. And honestly, we would be getting Adam Larson that's more polished. That's basically what we'd be getting. We'd be getting a guy that could have been like this in New Jersey. Um, I don't think anybody's going to regret trading Larson to Edmonton for Taylor Hall, considering what Taylor Hall did. But I think it would just, everything would come full circle if he ended up coming back to New Jersey. Here's the thing though, because as I mentioned, we already have another defenseman on this list that's from Edmonton. The question is, who do the Edmonton Oilers value more, Adam Larson or Tyson Berry? In my opinion, it's certainly going to be Adam Larson. I've already heard that they're talking about it, about giving him a new contract. So the chances could be slimmer now uh, that the Devils could get him. But if he is there, I think the Devils should certainly look to him and say, hey, look, man, um, would you come back to New Jersey? We'll give you six, seven million dollars. We'll, we'll give you a, a really good raise and you can help us, you know, grow our defense and be a little bit phys more physical. And, and obviously, you know, the area you played here for a little while. So, you know, it, um, I, you know, some of the guys in the organization and things like that, it certainly changed a lot since last time you were here. Um, and no hard feelings since, uh, right. Cause we traded you for Taylor Hall, no hard feelings. Right. Um, I'm sure he would get a laugh out of it if that's ended up where he ended up going. Um, but again, I would be happy to get Adam Larson because, again, physicality and much better defensively, really good on the penalty kill in particular, all those things we certainly need to improve on. And if you want NHL help right now from a free agent standpoint, Adam Larson to me is number one on, on, uh, on our list. He should be on our list 100%. So Adam Larson is another guy. 
might be a little bit harder just because I think Edmonton is going to really try with a lot of cap space, mind you. They have a good amount of cap space too. They're certainly going to try to keep Adam Larson long-term. Now, the last guy is probably the guy who is the biggest long shot of all four of the guys I mentioned, and that is David Savard. Uh, currently playing for the Tampa Bay Lightning, got traded from Columbus to Tampa. Somehow Tampa got him. I, I, the rich get richer the way it looks. He's 30 years of age at the moment. He's six foot two, 233 pounds. He will be 31 right around the beginning of next season. So he's a little bit more on the older side. And look, Tampa Bay wanted to continue to get their defense to be a little bit better defensively. David Savard is certainly that. And that's the and that's the big reason why Columbus was trying to get some assets for him because they knew he was going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And that's what they got. Here's the thing. I really can't see how Tampa Bay is going to get away with being able to give David Savard a crap load of money, considering that it's a they're they're already illegally playing in the in the playoffs, considering that you know Kucherov is making a crap load of money and they're what seven to ten million dollars over the cap while playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs, there is no way I can see how David Savard could go back to Tampa unless they unless he takes uh, a two- or three-year deal and doesn't make his whole much. But for Savard, this is probably the first and probably only time he's going to be valued this much. Yeah, he's probably going to be the second or maybe even third most valued defenseman in the free agent market this year. It could trickle up more if some of the other guys jump off the list early on uh, before free agency even begins, and then he could be valued a lot more. So let's look at Savard. Uh, this past year, he had a relatively disappointing season. One goal, five assists for six points in 54 games played. He had a plus minus of minus 27. So that's a really big, ugh. Um, in his career in the playoffs, he has one goal, 10 assists, 11 points in 44 games played, mostly with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, he's played just seven games so far in the playoffs and hasn't registered a point as a plus minus of Minus two. He has 41 goals, 125 assists for 166 points in 611 games played with a plus minus of six, a plus minus of plus 16. Um, he's certainly on the more defensive side. Uh, he has struggled a bit on that defensive side. And obviously being 30, 31 years of age, it's going to make you wonder, okay, how much does he really, is he really looking for? And I think honestly, when you look at the devils and they look at free agency moves, they would probably not give David Savard a huge amount of money. I would say four or $5 million per year for four or five years. If you really want to be generous, um, he would be a guy that would be more on the veteran side. You know, that Savard is probably going to look to try to cash in as much as possible, knowing that this is going to be the, the, the best opportunity for him to make a lot of money as a free agent. So I think that that's something to keep in mind. Um, and I, I, I can't see how Tampa could somehow keep him unless he gets a one or two year deal. If he does, great. It's whatever. The plus minus is a concern. We want to get more guys that are, have done a better job defensively. Uh, Savardis had what you would consider a pretty disappointing year. And that could be an advantage to the Devils because they might be able to get him more on the cheap because of that. Uh, but who knows? But yeah, I mean, he would be another guy. He would be the long shot because I think that he's going to get a good amount of suitors. And I think he probably at this point in his career would rather be on teams that are competing for cups and not another two or three years away. And he's obviously on a team right now in Tampa Bay Lightning that's looking to try to win their second consecutive Stanley Cup. Uh, so that's another guy. So Dougie Hamilton, Tyson Berry, Adam Larson, and David Savard are the four guys on the right side of the defense that the Devils should certainly target in this year's NHL free agency and as always let me know what you guys think do you agree disagree is there somebody that i didn't mention 
And again, we will talk about trades later on this year. I'm, these are just free agency ones. And the next episode is going to be my personal favorite, and that is the goaltender position. And there are some guys in the goaltender position that are really, really intriguing to me when it comes to free agency. So let me know what you guys think on Twitter at Devil State, on Instagram at Devil State of Mind, and also just follow us, give us a like on Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind, and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey, P-O-D, Pod, N-E-T, Net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. Again, new videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. The first is J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Agony and the Ecstasy, nah, no ecstasy of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know, where, you know, anything we could think of, it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 
1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Pain and Suffering of Being a New York Jets Fan, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Villapiano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day, you know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!